Welcome back to the Monsters and Mixers podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Amy. And I'm Emma. And we are so sorry. We have been gone for so long. Life has been incredibly crazy busy. It's been like four months. It had October 23rd, I just looked. Yeah. Yeah. Lo siento. That was not okay. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> we had a big life change. So. Yeah. So we are now living it up in New Orleans and things are finally settled down mm -hmm. where we can get back into a regular routine. Yeah. We actually have jobs now. <laughs> yeah. Which is a whole nother thing. I don't want to talk about it. Yeah. But yeah. So we thought it was appropriate. Well, I thought it was appropriate since we are in New Orleans and we've been wanting to get here for so long that our first episode of season three is going to cover some New Orleans legends and folklore and things like that. Um, specifically, I want to talk about New Orleans and voodoo and some other things, but I don't want to do it 100% from a New Orleans um, voodoo, all the things you see on TV and all that crap about voodoo. I wanted to come to you and give you like some actual facts about what voodoo is because there are so many misconceptions that voodoo is this evil, terrible, awful religion, and that is not the case. Mm -hmm. um, but to keep it within our theme and the way that we do our shows and specifically my content, if you are new to the show, I definitely like to talk about creepier and scarier things. So I have incorporated some of those as well. Mm -hmm. But to get us started, I really just wanted to talk about voodoo in general and what voodoo is all about. And the word itself means spirit. And it's one of the oldest ancestral nature honoring traditions, according to many people who study religion in general. Um, if you're not familiar with voodoo, it, a lot of people associate voodoo with Haiti, which is because that is primarily a place of practice. And in Haiti, voodoo believers pray and perform animal sacrifices to feed and beckon the spirits. Then they dance until a spirit takes over their bodies and heals them or offers advice. And I know that kind of sounds scary and, and creepy, but I'm not a vegetarian. I eat animals. I mean, animals. Are... I mean, we kill animals in America for much less. So, right. <laughs> so and no one would like, obviously we're not for killing animals, but it's kind of funny to like cast stones when we do right. the but... same thing just to eat them. That's kind of what I was thinking. And we don't know what they do with the animals after they kill them. They may mm -hmm. eat them. Maybe. I mean, it's possible. So the ceremony of voodoo usually begins with a Roman Catholic prayer, which we're going to talk a little bit more about later. And then three drummers begin to play the syncopated rhythm and the attendees begin to dance around a tree in the yard or wherever they're at around a fire. And they tend to, move faster and harder with the rising pulse of the beat. And it's very ceremonial, very um, long practiced. And then the priest or priestess typically will draw sacred symbols in the dust with some kind of a, this example is cornmeal or something just to get the area consecrated. And then they pour liquor rum or things like that on the ground to honor the spirits. There's a lot of honor and ancestors and things that take place in voodoo. There's, it's a very 
ancestor um what's a word i'm thinking of like honoring that i already used that but just like being very in tune with like your ancestral like beginnings yeah and everything that came before you like past lives and people who got you to where you were yeah very strong connection to your to Words. your kinship yeah which i think is actually really super cool mm -hmm. and something that a lot of other religions lack like the main religions i feel like it's more so like you're reading about like people that existed but not necessarily like how they could possibly like be relevant to you and like your backstory like it's mm -hmm. it's going to be hard to find like <laughs> if when if you're like studying or practicing christianity to find someone like you have direct ties to that right. like you can create a spiritual bond with that like pushes you to practice your religion further and that that's what like to do you can actually like bring part of that person through and call and out to and speak and speak to and worship and use them in your everyday like practices like that's hard to do yeah i think it's i personally think voodoo is really cool and i'm super intrigued by it yeah it's um, definitely been like bastardized and like demonized by like ghost hunters and stuff like that. Like anytime they see that something bad's happened, they're like, Oh my gosh, like maybe voodoo has a hand right. in this. And it's oh, like, yeah. well, really when you look into it, that's not how it started. So, and I can jump ahead to that part and I'll just skip it later, but that is actually something that I talked about. And when I was writing this episode is how much Hollywood and books and things have always created mm -hmm. this really, really negative connotation of voodoo and most of that is actually based in some pretty racist principles mm -hmm. because it's the same with like native americans mm -hmm. like anytime something's unexplainable they say well this must be on native american burial grounds yeah. it's like why would you automatically just push all of this negative energy on very peaceful people who right like it makes no sense yeah and i i truly think that a lot of like books where they even like American Horror Story, which is like one of my favorite things ever. And I'm going to talk about Papa Legba later, made him out to be something so different than what he actually is in the voodoo religion. Mm -hmm. And just to have some kind of like appeal or scary factor. And it, we've done a disservice to people who started voodoo as a means of survival and preservation of their own religious well, experience. American Horror Story, like... Uh, Angela Bassett, who is she playing? I believe she was Marie Laveau. Yeah. Yeah. Like they do the same thing with that too. Yeah. It was a little less so with, with her than it was um, Papa like Legba. the three boobs and like, you just yeah. like, it's so. Because Papa Legba in American Horror Story was asking for child sacrifices. Mm -hmm. And that's not even close to what the deity of Papa Legba is even about. It makes no sense. Um, okay, so let's get back to talking talking about like the spirits involved in voodoo, and there is a great mother spirit called, and I apologize if I butcher these, but Urzuli, and oftentimes when people are in the voodoo rituals, um, she is the one that is primarily the one that overcomes them, and that's usually something that people know is happening because that person will actually fall to the ground and be overcome by the spirit. Mm -hmm. And there's been lots of recordings and studies and things done where people have been looking at the um, voodoo rituals and, and recording that. And there's such an obvious change between the actual presence of that person before they fall to the ground and come back. And it really does seem like somebody is, I don't want to use the word possessed because I don't think 
it's not a possession it's more of a shared experience yeah. yeah um so that's pretty cool and i thought it was really neat too to think that there are anthropologists who have studied voodoo and they think that it probably goes back like to west africa over six thousand years ago so it's definitely not a new religion it's a way older than christianity mm -hmm. And there are 60 million people worldwide currently who practice voodoo, which is a lot more than I thought I would mm. see. Well, even like when, I don't know if you're going to touch on this later, but like the westernized version of voodoo that we know, like that was a way for people who were enslaved to like practice their own religion. But it, there were a lot of like Christian influences, influences mm -hmm. and practices that were implemented into it. Like they just did it under the guise of, Christianity at the time because they knew that if they called it something else then it can be either like burned at the stake like in the crucible yeah or something like that yeah. because they thought it was like witchcraft and whatever so the, I actually do talk about that but I'm we don't have to follow any kind of like a mm -hmm. formula here we can just but talk I feel like a lot of people do don't know that like no. it was literally just their own like people who were enslaved that was their way to practice their own religion like in a way that they understood and the way that they had like deep connections to without necessarily like having to follow the church or anything like that well and a lot of it especially because there is a difference between this particular type of voodoo that we're talking about and new orleans voodoo because mm. i those of you who don't know or aren't aware that it's a very big practice in new orleans primarily because there are so much french and african mm. influence in this area and lots of enslaved people were brought to New Orleans. And like you were saying, they had to adapt and try and preserve part of their culture without giving it all away. And the way they did that was taking snippets of Catholicism and using that as kind of a mask for covering up their rituals and things as a means of survival mm -hmm. and to keep going strong. So there are so many things in voodoo that are Catholic-esque because they are such a melting, and especially now, like the way that voodoo is in the United States is a lot different than what it was before because of those influences. And you see that in a lot of religions where like we have Methodists and we have Baptists and we have all of those. It's the cultural influences of the areas that shape these different little pockets of religion. So that yeah, well, even just like that, I think it's Southern Baptist, like the going back to the, like being overcome by like a spirit. Like if you watch, I think it's Southern Baptist churches. Like if you watch their um, like worships, like they're doing the same thing where they'll like flail on the ground mm -hmm. and like be overcome by like the Holy spirit or whatever. Like even that is a lot like what they were doing yeah, very where they like can feel it. And then they can't control like their body movements and they're just like flailing on the ground. So that is, yeah, it's very similar. Very similar, for sure. Um, there are different deities and spirits that are tied to voodoo. I did not go through all of them, but uh, I did want to point out that the reason why, and I don't know if I said this earlier, the reasons for the sacrifices of the animals is because it is very much believed that the spirits are weak and that the killing of the animals is a way to give them energy so it's not meant to be a disrespectful thing or it's not meant to be a evil thing that happens it's a way of taking that animal's energy and transferring it to the spirit so the spirit can come through i found that actually be very kind of cool and interesting when i was reading because i just assumed it was 
I don't I don't know what I assumed. Some blood sacrifice. Yeah. yeah. Some, some evil dark thing. In a movie. Yeah. Um I we already talked about how Western culture is definitely vilified voodoo. But there's been a lot of things that have happened lately, and we're gonna talk about that later, where it's starting there's starting to be like this change in the way of thinking because there are some pretty prominent people who are way more supportive of witchcraft and voodoo, which are very close, closely tied together. Um, part of the reason we talked about the reason why the enslaved people were melding together Catholicism and voodoo is because if they were caught practicing voodoo, they were whipped, imprisoned, hung. Like it was a, it was a thing that you could actually be killed for. So they were practicing in secret while they were still attending Catholic mass and things. And that's where some of that melting together and blending started to happen. Um, but then I said, we were going to talk about some differences between regular voodoo from outside of the United States and here. And this is where it's really closely related to like witchcraft is there's a lot of working with roots and herbs and creating and using charms and amulets and honoring and worshiping ancestors. And so those practices combined with the Catholicism and those acts are what became the core of Louisiana voodoo, which is what you see when you go into one of the voodoo shops, mm -hmm. which if you've never been to New Orleans, especially the French Quarter, you cannot go very far without seeing some kind of a what today we were looking or the other day there's like all these crystal shops mm -hmm. and there's voodoo shops and things all over it's very much accepted which is pretty cool it's just it's not even just accepted it's like almost embraced because it's such an integral part of the city's history that it would almost be like ridiculous to pretend that it didn't happen mm -hmm. because it shaped so many of like the values and everything to to this day like even like with mardi gras parades and stuff like some of the times like you'll see people who are dressed up as like priestesses or priests who are like reenacting what would have been like a voodoo ritual. So it's, it would just be stupid to pretend that didn't happen. Yeah. It's also like, I also think like back to what you were saying, like seeing that it's become more accepted. I just noticed like overall, like, I don't know if it's necessarily witchcraft, but like the earthbound type of spirituality has become way more prominent, like with the crystals and your herbs and your sage and like everything like that. It's just become like a, there's been a huge resurgence in it lately. We're like Wicca and mm -hmm. um, like there's crystal shops everywhere. Like yeah. you can, it's a massive thing. And some people just like them cause they're cool. Like honestly, when I buy crystals, I like them cause they're cool. But I also do like the, like the energy properties behind them and stuff like that. But there's just a huge resurgence in like modern day witches, quote unquote. Yeah. Well, even back in Alton where we moved mm -hmm. from, there were so many places where you can go and it stopped feeling like going to the quote unquote weird shop and just another place where you can go and buy right. some cool stuff and talk to people. shop. It's mm -hmm. just like a cool little place with cool people. Yeah. All right. I'm trying to mark where I'm skipping around because I know I'm skipping around <laughs> okay. a lot because I wrote out a lot and then I decided I wanted to make it more conversational instead of me just kind of regurgitating info. My favorite thing I think about voodoo is that it is the ultimate girl power religion. I cannot think of any other religions where they are pretty much ruled by the women and the queens. I mean, it's actually, mm -hmm. I mean, Hinduism might be close because there's so many like 
goddesses, but there's still way more men than there's goddesses, but they're not typically the people that are no like you're not performing gonna... the right. practices or like... leading them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Whereas voodoo is completely you the priestesses have the most power in the queens and like bees yep <laughs> which brings us to like i was saying earlier about um some of the things that even though voodoo and witchcraft are not the same we have our girl stevie miss stevie nicks to thank for a lot of the acceptance of spiritual ways and witchy ways and things like that because she has been a pretty big pioneer of pushing and getting people to accept it. If you're not, if you don't know who Stevie Nicks is, I'm not helping you on that one. You should, if you don't know who Stevie Nicks is, you probably shouldn't be listening to her podcast. Yeah. She should feel <laughs> shame. No, she's from Fleetwood Mac, I'll tell you. <laughs> and she just fucking Stevie Nicks. <laughs> so, um, and we would be remiss to have any conversation about voodoo without talking about the queen of voodoo herself, Miss Marie LeBeau, who also gets castigated in a negative light in a lot of Hollywood productions and things. And um, Marie Laveau is actually a pretty peaceful, cool, chill-ass lady. And she was born a free woman, which was pretty uncommon at the time that she was born in what is now considered the French Quarter in New Orleans. So New Orleans is, you got Uptown, French Quarter, like all these different areas. And the French Quarter is pretty old part of New Orleans, like one of the mm. first settled old areas. Part of America. Mm -hmm. um, it is not known what her birthday is. It's sometime between 1794 and 1801, and that's probably just because I know that's a, a huge time yeah. difference. Um, there just wasn't a lot of really good record record keeping, especially amongst for um, black women. Yeah, yeah. And she was African American, Native American, and French. So. All three of those cultures have quite a bit of um, spiritual spiritualism to them, I think. Maybe a little less so on the French, but I'm assuming this is more French Creole than it is Marie Antoinette kind of French. And there's not a lot that's known about her early life. It is known that she was married to a man named Jacques Paris. And she married him pretty young. I think she was 18 when she married him. Well, it depends. She was either 18 or, <laughs> or way older. Um, and they had two daughters. They were Felicity and I think an Angelie. Mm -hmm. Or Angel? I don't know. Yeah, it's could be either way. Uh-oh. Uh, I lost my place. So there is some, um, this is where Marie Laveau kind of got, I think, a little bit of a, sinister like connotation to her her husband just went missing in 1824 and she said he was dead she was like he died but there was no body they never ever found him anywhere and it's still a considerable mystery not knowing where he actually went or what happened and at that time she started calling herself the widow paris and all records of her two daughters just stopped with him. And I don't know why that would have been, but do we even know if they actually existed? I mean, I'm pretty sure they existed, but I don't know if she did it to try and like protect, protect them, them or if he left with them. I truly do not know. Cause there's a lot of 
speculation that he was having an affair and he deserted her. And I found this really cool too, because recently his name has been mentioned in the news. I don't know if you saw this, but I believe she was from LSU. There's a student who is doing her doctoral study in anthropology. And she thinks that she found a man who has, what do you call it when you take the letters of your name and you mix them up to create a different word? Like an anagram? Yeah. Of a man who had the exact same letters in his name, like one of the pseudonyms that this um, man went by, that Jacques went by, who moved to just, or appeared, just appeared out of nowhere in Baton Rouge the exact time that he went missing in New Orleans. And so she's trying to look into it a little bit more, but it seems very likely that he just fled on the river and left her. And I mm -hmm. do not know why. I mean, in 1824, like, unless you have extreme wealth, there's only so far you can get in such a short period of time yeah. travel-wise. So no, Baton I, Rouge would make sense. I just don't know why he would have, like, up and left her. I mean, and I guess... If they were having a, an affair, maybe he was just maybe embarrassed or... And I wonder if that's, that's why she said he died because it was probably embarrassing for her too, to think that he just left and took her kids. Okay. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. We don't even know. Or she just I told hit him from everybody. It's all a mystery. <laughs> we don't know. It's also like that time period. Like it could have been that there's just no records of them either because I mean, 1824, there could be records somewhere that you find 50 years down the line that prove that like they did exist and they were with her. But the only thing that makes me question that is she, ended up marrying this other man, um, a nobleman named Christophe Dumini de Glapion. It's a long <laughs> name. And they had 15 kids. Oh, yeah. Good God. Um, only seven had birth and baptismal records though, because I think the rest of them probably died too early to actually have that happen. So they were actively like having their kids baptized in the Catholic church and do things. I can't see any reason why she wouldn't have done that with the first two. Unless because this guy maybe was a higher stature, she had accessibility to a little more things, possibly. No clue. I know that they did exist and then now they don't. <laughs> um, it's very strange. Because she was a, quite a badass lady, uh, Marie Laveau was a hairdresser. And she learned that as she was doing people's hair, because she had such a nice, calm presence that people just wanted to talk to her about things that happened in their lives and have conversations with her and ask for advice. And that's how she very quickly began her role as a counselor and talking people through like hard life events, deaths and divorces and things like that. And she used a lot of her skills that she had acquired as a voodoo practitioner as a way to help these people. And she, even though she had, everybody at that time still had a sinister connotation of um, voodoo, she was able to actually make it start being a little more acceptable to the upper class citizens in New Orleans. And that's part of why people think voodoo spread the way that it did, because you and I both know if you can get the rich on board, things start getting accepted a lot faster. Um, um, so was she like actively practicing when she was married to her first husband? Do not know. I don't know if it's, I don't know if she was, I mean, given her background, I assume that she probably had some sort of, I would imagine she was it. practicing and the respect that it was her religion, 
but I don't know if she was actually going out and going out and doing it yeah. in a way that could have ended really badly for her. If anybody would have taken mm -hmm. offense to it. Um, by the 1830s, she, through her combination of clairvoyance, healing abilities, um, beauty, charisma, all the good things about her, she was able to assume leadership of a religious community. And it was actually a really good thing for her. Many people don't know that Marie Laveau was very active in the Catholic Church also. She wasn't just out doing voodoo rituals. She was very involved. And she, we always pass this restaurant named Grigory, so I was really happy when I came upon this tidbit of information. <laughs> she um, made a living by selling Grigories, which are amulets mm -hmm. originating from Africa, which are believed to bring wealth, protection, things like that to the people that wear them. And she probably made a super fat living off of all the wealthy and politically affluent people who wanted personal advice from her. Mm -hmm. I actually thought about when I was doing this, how much it reminded me of the Ouija board phenomenon, how mm -hmm. seances and Ouija boards became so popular because the rich upper class white people started buying them all of a sudden. And then it just became a big thing. Mm -hmm. It seemed very similar in nature that she was just, very powerful businesswoman. Like she was all about her coin. Yeah. And she was so pretty mm -hmm. and that everybody just loved her because she was such a beautiful human being. Um, so she made all of those potions and charms and things and was able to maintain a really high position in society. She decided she was done with all of that in 1875, but she announced that she was retiring and never really stopped. She just kind of did it a little less and spent her last part of her life um, visiting poor and imprisoned people and trying to help them by giving them readings and trying to work with them on healing, which is also another very admirable thing. Mm -hmm. I already talked about her being Roman Catholic. Um, she did relinquish her leadership of the voodoo community later on in life and was really into just trying to go the whole Catholic road. She lived very humbly, didn't have any real estate and her house um, was on St. Anne and actually was pretty small. I guess she never married him. It says her partner. So I guess her and her other guy, maybe because well, they could, partner could be husband. Well, I'm, I'm wondering if because they never found a body, if she was ever actually legally if he was ever legally declared dead and she couldn't remarry. They said he was legally presumed dead. No, they, they you said, they, well, yeah, but they didn't ever actually have a body or have any of those things. You can still legally presume someone dead without a body. I mean, you can, but it just takes a few years enough to where you could get remarried. Mm -hmm, absolutely. I don't know. That would be awful if your spouse went missing and it had been 10 years and the law didn't let you move on and remarry. I mean, it would be, that terrible. would be horrifically awful. Doesn't sound like something that I would think would be out of the ordinary. But who knows? She um, did so much towards the end that she is very much has a very strong legacy in New Orleans. And I think that's really super amazing. And I love I did that. think you one thing that I just want to hit on that I think is important that you pass over mm -hmm. um, just to like kind of really solidify her power and presence in the community like this right here where it says, um, as a result, Marie Laveau quickly overtook the previously known voodoo queens dominating the voodoo scene. And while she was dominating the voodoo scene, uh, 
she, even though she was seldom mentioned in local newspapers, writers often referred to her as Her Majesty or the celebrated Marie Laveau when she was involved in a story indicating her prominent position in society. Yeah, she was a very big deal. She, did you know that um, there's not an exact location of her tomb, that it's mm -hmm. like a speculated location? Yeah. So she is buried or entombed, because there's no underground burial here, in St. Louis Cemetery Number 1. For those of you who remember our previous episode where we talked about that cemetery, that's where um, Nick Cage has his pyramid tomb and was rolling her eyes at me, just trying to give some context. Mm -hmm. And there are lots of people who go there trying to do this wishing ritual <laughs> and hope that they complete this and she will grant their wish, which I don't think she was a genie, but who knows. So what they do is they go up to the tomb, give her compliments or where they think the tomb is. Uh, knock on the tomb three times, write three cross marks with red brick on her tomb, and that's not something people are supposed to do. And hope that Especially she you will don't even know it's hers. Like right. probably desecrating someone's tomb who's like has no connection. And they're like, no, stop it. <laughs> um, and then light a candle, um, leave some kind of an offering, donation, and hopefully you will get your wishes granted. Which I guess is kind of a cool way of preserving the legacy of the voodoo and the ritualistic yeah, nature of the religion. Do that, couldn't you just like create an altar of your own? You, you could. not even have to just go to the cemetery. Just I mean, do it yeah. in your house. Although I think someone as powerful as her, I think people just hope to get a little bit of that energy and power and transfer it to themselves. <laughs> the fact that it's probably not her, just this <laughs> random French person who's like buried in St. Louis <laughs> Cemetery number one who's getting We're like why is it always knocking? <laughs> so I would like to at one point in time maybe go and hope to catch a glimpse of glimpse of her mm -hmm. spirit because I think that'd be really cool and I, she's kind of a freaking idol. Oh, absolutely! But I do want to reiterate: if you're coming to visit New Orleans, please don't go writing on tombs with bricks and. Yeah, I think it was chalked up, so it should stuff with it should wash off in a cemetery. Just don't do it. Yeah, you should probably. That's definitely frowned upon by people. <laughs> Please do not do that. Yeah, for there sure. are many other ways to honor her and yeah, do what sure. you gotta do. Mm -hmm. That you can step into any of the voodoo shops. There's actually a voodoo shop in the quarter where they have a very nice large altar. Altar. Mm -hmm. And funny story about it. Um, you know, your dad claims that he got. Yeah, he refuses to go into any of them. He will not go in there. And we were down here for vacation probably like seven years ago. That was a while ago. And Ten years probably. So it is hot as hell in New Orleans in the summer. So he always has a towel to like wipe his sweat off when we're out <laughs> walking and doing our thing. And I went into the voodoo shop with the towel in my purse. And then... He got it back and he had really bad luck for Well, he was on like a, a while. He was like raking in some serious dough in fantasy football. And he claims that immediately after that, his reign dropped Yeah, in fantasy football. Like he was making enough money to like pay for vacations. Mm -hmm. And then he won nothing ever again. And I am going to say there might have been a little 
something to it because the following time we went back and I took a towel into the um, food shop that he claimed was one that he got the bad juju from and I left it and his luck changed. So who <laughs> well, knows? Even when uh, Chloe was down here, remember she picked something up from an altar, which is like big no-no because I don't know if she's blind or what, but you walk in and there are approximately 8,000 signs that say, do not touch, like, do not touch mm -hmm. this. That is just super bad juju because people are leaving that for people and things like you don't pick it up. Like it's been left. It's for them. You leave it where it is. And she, I don't even know what it was, like a rock or something. Something. Like picked it up and I saw it happen and I've never felt such fear in my life because I was like... I don't even know like what who this altar is for, but I know damn well that rock is not for you. No. And then we had to walk. She was so scared. We had to ask the lady who was working there, like, what do we need to do to reverse what we just did? Because mm -hmm. and the I'm answer not taking was, her back to my Airbnb. The answer was very sweet. They said it's all intention. If mm -hmm. you had no negative intention, then it's okay. But if you're like trying to just steal, steal and be a shit, yeah. mm -hmm. then absolutely. Because people leave money. And yeah. stuff there so there's probably people with really bad intentions who go in and they're like oh a 20 dollar bill let me grab yeah, it. it at any given point in time there's probably a lot of money because do they do they clean off the altars or does it just continue to just, just go? i have i guess maybe if it gets to a point where it's so big but i feel like every time i've gone in there they've been the same as i once saw them i don't know i need to look up a little bit more if there's like an altar cleansing kind i'm of sure there thing is where yeah. you just take it and maybe put it in a different place or donate the money to something in honor of that person or i don't know maybe i'm gonna have to do ask. a staff pizza party staff pizza <laughs> i think that would end, end poorly for you for sure all right so that's pretty much all i had about miss marie laveau i really wish there was more that i could give you but like i said there's not a whole lot out there but then i wanted to talk about papa legba because he also really gets shat upon by people when they talk about things and um so papa legba is known as an intermediary between mortal men and the iowa or iwa which are the spirits associated with voodoo and oftentimes when you watch anything where he's involved it's like he's some kind of a um person like Hades that like pulls people down to like the underworld and, and does that but he's more so a guide and there to help you because as much as it sucks you can't really control that eventually that you're going to need somebody to guide you mm -hmm. to the other side and so do not be afraid of Papa Legba next time somebody tells you you should be. Well I think even if like in the event that you're like uh I could be wrong but doing one of the rituals and like you've like lost control or like lost your way like you're supposed to ask for his help yeah because he, he's supposed to help you get you back on track put you back in yeah mm -hmm. um legba has evolved in numerous ways from his origins in africa where he is there sometimes viewed as a fertility god or a trickster um i thought this was interesting sometimes he's depicted as a both male and female um, some of the statues you see, there's a very large, giant, erect penis. Um, this says phallus, but we're going to just be adults here and use words. Um, <laughs> so, and in other places, he's a protector of children and a healer, which is why it's so disrespectful that so many things 
act like he's like asking for children's sacrifices. Um, he appears in many forms in New Orleans voodoo and Haitian voodoo, um, typically depicted as an older man. I'm sure if you guys are familiar, you know, he wears that big tall hat, um, or old tattered clothing, walking with a cane, and usually has a dog. And he's associated primarily, primarily with the colors black and red. I always kind of think, um, and I, it's just my brain doing it because there's no connection. I always think of like the hat man from like during night terrors and sort of sleep paralysis. Like Hill House hat man. Like having kind of the same hat. Like I feel like if Papa Lego were to cast his shadow, it would look very similar to the. I guess I feel like every depiction I've seen of him, he's had like uh, like white face paint, mm-hmm. and he usually is wearing like. I guess like the tattered clothing I haven't seen as much. He's usually wearing like, um, it almost looks like feathers sometimes. It definitely looks worn. Like, yeah, like he's like, worn it for a while, but mm-hmm. it's not like when I hear like tethered clothing, I think like someone who's like wearing like a shirt that's like ripped, but I feel like he's usually wearing like, like usually like the red and the black and there's a lot of orange and there's yellow mm-hmm. and it's like very big. It's not like a slim figure. Cause when I think Hatman, I think like tall, skinny, scary. Yeah. I don't know if I, necessarily think tall skinny scary i just think hat and i do freak out i think of whole house and i don't like to yeah well that's not the shadow that's person, the hat is man it? with the cane oh okay <laughs> i'm dumb we try to for- just, yeah. forget that he exists because that's very it's like that meme that says i can't take benadryl before bed anymore because i owe the hat man money <laughs> <laughs> same here Goodness. all right so papa legba is strongly associated with crossroads magic um, I don't know if you remember the song about the crossroads and Robert Johnson. Um, that is what a lot of people think that cause he was the famed, you know, blues singer, musician. They think that he actually encountered Papa Legba, uh, at the crossroads and made a deal in exchange for musical talent. So that Eric Clapton song, you know, went down to the crossroads. They, all I can think of is Devil Went Down to Georgia. Definitely similar, but different. <laughs> yeah. So, um, like you were saying earlier, it's very important to remember that if you are ever in a place and you need some guidance, um, you can call out to Papa Legba and not be afraid because so many folklorists believe that all of these tales about him and the things that he does being are... the devil. Yeah, being the devil mm-hmm. is because of the racism behind people with dark skin being evil and things like that. Like it's always, even if you look like now you and I freaking love black clothing and wear it all the time. And mm-hmm. it's been historically anytime anybody wears black, then they must be evil or bad or this, or that it's so much bullshit mm-hmm. from colonizing white people. It's trying literally to like satanic panic. Yeah. Being afraid of what you can't, relate to or understand or what makes you uncomfortable because it shakes up your little bubble or it it was such a way to control people Mm -hmm. that you wanted to control it's definitely rooted in racism because literally just like a tiny semblance of research would show you that everything you have been told is not the truth yeah and you would change your view of him very quickly Mm -hmm. he's not the devil no (laughs) he's actually a pretty freaking cool he's meant to help you because anything you read he literally can speak every single language like you could come to him in a language that 
only you speak and he's going to be able to speak mm-hmm. it. To me, that sounds like somebody who's incredibly powerful and very positive and can do lots and lots of really great things for people when they need them. So what, when they say like trickster, what do they mean? Like he likes to play games? Yeah. it's. Was it like nefarious games or is it just like, ha ha, got your nose? I think, <laughs> <laughs> um, I think more so you got to earn it. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily like I'm trying to trick you, but you're going to have to. It's like he'll appear and then be like, bye. Yeah, kind of. Like, you thought you saw me. You got to earn it. <laughs> or you may think I'm telling you this, but you have to figure it out on mm-hmm. your own. More of like a riddle. Yeah. Nothing worth having is given to you so easily. You have to like actually work for it. Um, so if you want to get in touch with Mr. Papalegba, you do have to give him payment. Um, but fret not, you can give candy, dark rum, tobacco, cigars. Um, those are things that Papa Leg tobacco. Yeah, Papa Legba likes. Do not give that man a swisher. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's not what he wants. Swishers are kind of delicious. <laughs> um, and if you are looking for a symbol to know which deity you're talking to, his symbol is interlocked keys and a cane. And there is a chant you can use, but I chose not to include it because I am not putting that out there in the world where y'all can just, if you want to reach Papa Legba, you can do it on your do own. Do the research on your own. I, not because I think there's a problem with Papa Legba but because I don't endorse people who don't know what they're talking about or dealing with going off on their own. And or just like doing it. Cause you think it's funny. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know. You're kind of like, not that I think that our listeners would do that, but just like giving information to people and not knowing what they will do with it. Yeah, for sure. It's not funny. No. So respect it. <laughs> Absolutely. Put some 100%. respect on Papa Legba's name. Yeah. Okay. So while the dominant traits of voodoo are not evil, there are lots of stories where people have inadvertently ended up on the wrong side of voodoo. And that's usually because they are being some kind of a shit. And the cage. these people are not messing around. They are yeah, powerful. Yeah. <laughs> Very powerful individuals. And they will teach you a lesson. So after we take our break, we're going to talk about some of those stories and then I'm going to tell you about one of the New Orleans cryptids known as the Grunch. Not the 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 the, the Grinch, but the Grunch. So mm-hmm. we will be right back. Okay, even though like I said, we have talked about how voodoo is very much misunderstood, I did want to include some stories where there were some creepy things that happened associated with voodoo, but that's literally the case with every religion. If you look back in time, there's been spooky, semi-supernatural things that have happened, I think, for pretty much anything, even if you're Christian. So don't come at me. The- I think there's something to say about the fact that, like, even if you aren't, like, legitimately cursed, just like the simple fact that you might believe that you are, every single thing that happens to you, you're going to immediately associate it with the fact that you think that you are cursed. Absolutely. And I'm going to, before we talk about that, we haven't <laughs> talked about the whole tarot card thing, did we, before? Yeah, I think we did. So, yeah, we did, because we did the McPike episode. We didn't. Mm-hmm. No. 
we talked about how we were going to McPike, but we didn't talk oh, about it. We never know. did that episode because we got lost in some vortex of, I don't know what. <laughs> Shit show. So if I already talked about my tarot card reading, um, I'm going to talk about it again. But like Emma is saying, it's kind of like a self-fulfilling prophecy mm -hmm. kind of thing where I did get a pretty um, icky one tarot card reading. And then I reached out to someone and they were able to do a three card tarot reading for Twice. me and the three card was also very icky <laughs> and then the um my brain just wouldn't stop and i couldn't quit panicking i was trying to like figure out if there was something i could do to like cleanse or do whatever do some reversal and then there was a five card reading down and it was also really gross and icky actually that might have been eight there was there was a <laughs> lot of cards involved and they were all bad and my luck was pretty shitty for um, a significant amount of time. And I really did fully believe that that was the cards predicting what was going to happen. Mm -hmm. And maybe it wasn't. It's just like, literally don't want to talk about him too much, but Nick Cage, like the same thing, like him buying the LaLaurie mansion and then thinking that every bad thing that happened to him after was because of that place and not just because he made really poor life decisions that led him Maybe. down a really dark road of financial ruin. But it's just, I mean, I'm sure it's just like when good things happen, like say like, you're like, I'm going to do this really positive spell because I want wealth or whatever. And then you come into like a, a random amount of wealth, like win a scratch off ticket or hit on a slot machine. You're immediately going to associate that with, the thing you just did maybe i don't know. even though it could be completely unrelated it could be related you'll never know but i'm gonna be like i did that <laughs> i'm a firm believer in I the powers of tarot cards now and i well there's something to say I'll about manifestation for sure why well, the things that happened to me were not anything i could have done no no so anywho i will not be getting <laughs> any more tarot readings ever again hmm. no i won't all right so we're going to talk about julia brown and Julia Brown was a local healer and magic practitioner in Frenair, Louisiana. She traveled all over her village to perform rituals for people, and she was known for having a magic touch. Uh, the people of the town began to take advantage of her, demanding her help, until she began fighting back. Those she deemed disrespectful and ungrateful would be giving terrifying predictions, or she would curse them. So she got really sick of this. In the last few weeks before her death in 1915, Brown would sing her curse for the town of Frenier to herself over and over. She would sing, one day I'm going to die and I'm going to take you all with me. So she did die and the whole town went to her funeral to pay their respects out of fear, not out of actual respect. <laughs> As they began to nail the Brown's coffin shut, a devastating hurricane tore through the village, killing everyone but two people. So whether that is, is it real, yeah, whether that is manifestation or something Should've else. Should have left her alone, dude. Yeah. She could have helped you, but you decided to take advantage of her. Yeah. I, I mean, and don't be demanding people to do things no. for you. The entitlement. when they want to. Yeah. Entitlement of people is stupid. Um, so there was this guy named Aldolfo Constanzo, who was a cult leader, serial killer, and self-proclaimed practitioner of some kind of an offshoot of Haitian voodoo. 
In the 1980s, he gave psychic readings and worked magic for dangerous drug cartels and hitmen. He'd cast spells to bring luck, curse enemies, and was somehow able to keep his clients from getting busted. So he was using that magic for real bad stuff. His rituals involved the sacrifices of chickens, goats, snakes, and even humans. So he was like, which is not good. Far off the yeah. voodoo path. Super black magic. Um, he finally overstepped when his fellow, when his followers kidnapped an affluent American student named Mark Kilroy to use as a sacrifice. I like that that's how he finally overstepped. I would think that overstepping would have been the other people he had been killing also. Um, police began tracking him and eventually found his base of operations. When his ranch was raided by the police and covered 15 mutilated corpses and Kilroy's dismembered body. He was so determined to stay out of prison that he ordered one of his followers to shoot him so he wouldn't have to go to jail. I don't know if this is so much. I'm sure they were saying that he overstepped because, I mean, it could have been that the people that he was going for previously weren't like, it sounds awful to say, but people who would, you would assume that like no one was really looking out for them Mm -hmm. or like would notice when they went missing. So of course, once you do like a American college aged boy, people start noticing. People start noticing. Yeah. I'm going to skip that one. I don't like that story. <laughs> Do you like any of these? Because they're um, all pretty bad. Yeah, they are pretty bad. All right. We're just going to have to. I don't know. There's a whole lot of there's a whole lot of R word trauma. And I don't like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, we're just going to go back. and We're going to talk about the grunge. Because <laughs> no one wants to be no. reading any of that stuff right there. All right, so there's this thing called the grunge, and it is a an alleged chupacabra that is has been sighted in New Orleans. And I picked the grunge specifically because I really want to... a different name? Huh? Why do you get a different name than just El Chupacabra? You'll know. We'll talk about it. I wanted to bring you guys some of the New Orleans cryptids because I've started collecting these really awesome playing cards that this guy makes his own decks of cards and it's all the legends and um, myths of New Orleans. And it got me thinking that that would be a really cool thing to include in our episodes. And I picked this one because he has ties to Marie Laveau, we think. All right. So it is the Grunch is described as an elaborate cross between both the canid and reptilian chupacabras. That's why he's not just a chupacabra. New Orleans residents have named the creature the Grunch because it's not the other two. Um, Sightings and tales, unlike its cousins, seem to go back way farther in Louisiana history, though, than in other areas of the world where they do talk about, like the chupacabra. The Grunch story supposedly goes all the way back to the beginning of the establishment of New Orleans. Many old stories from people whose family were around at the inception of the city of New Orleans have passed these tales of the Grunch down as mostly oral traditions. Legend has it that the Grunch dates back to the earliest settlement, and that is where the name the Grunch Grunch comes from because it was on a road, like Grunch Road. They also call the Grunch the vampire of the you want to help me? Farbor? Farbor. 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 Yeah. I don't even know. Marini in the Bywater. Yeah. 
um, <laughs> going all the way back to the 1800s. And the legend of Mar Marie Laveau tells that this is how the grunge became. An old story says Marie Laveau castrated the devil baby when he was born to stop him from producing any more evil kinds. The bloody testicles fell to the floor and turned into a male and a female grunch and then attacked the great voodoo queen Marie Laveau. <laughs> Consequently, they almost killed her with their fierce bites and punching and she actually quit um, doing voodoo right after this. So there are some it's people that think that, theory. That, that is a theory, yes. But this is right before when this whole thing happened. It's like one of those stories that says she stopped doing voodoo because she, you know, made these grunge babies. <laughs> um, so there are lots of strange stories. And the grunge supposedly has lots of um, weird powers. It is described as being a goat-like being, appearing to have leathery or scaly black gray skin, sharp spines, a sharp spine with long horns or quills running down its back and it's about three to four feet high so be pretty hard to miss that's huge yeah it'd be really big chupacabras aren't even that big no um they are said to seem more intelligent and have human-like skills like they're able to open doors use tools to how a similar to how a monkey or a primate would i don't want anything to do with the grunch I don't know what we can do like to protect ourselves from grunches, but I think we need to look into it. I was going to do nothing that would even attempt to attract one to me. It is said to howl like a wolf, scream like a banshee, or bellow and screech like an ape when it's alarmed. So it doesn't sound That's like a lot of different moves. Yeah, it doesn't sound like a lot of other animal noises. And apparently they stink really bad and leave a very strong stench when they walk away <laughs> maybe <laughs> <laughs> we have a cat that smells bad all the time <laughs> i'm so tired of we have a grunge apparently. i'm so tired of cleaning her stinky herself <laughs> um okay so this particular chupacabra hybrid whatever is said to have unusually red or blue green eyes some people even say they see bat-like wings and a tail, long fur, goat-like markings. This thing, it could be anything. It's, yeah, you can see the oral. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, the fact that this is like an oral tail being passed down because there's, all oral tales change with whoever's telling them to you. There's not a lot of commonality yeah. other than the fact that um, it, you know how chupacabras drink blood? Mm -hmm. And they, goat blood, yeah. they use two fangs. This one only uses one. <laughs> Yeah. This isn't one big one, one hole. Mm -hmm. So the animals, they have found animals drained of blood and like their organs are drained and there's just one bite mark. So that, I don't know if that makes it scarier to me that it just got one friggin' grunch fang or it makes it, it look fucking stupid to me. Imagine this grunch like opens its mouth and there's like one fang and it was like, Durr! <laughs> like <laughs> one little fang instead of two. No, no, look goofy as shit. I don't know if it makes dirt faces. Imagine it with one fang, like yeah. Patrick when Patrick had the buck tooth in SpongeBob. Yeah, but it's that's what I'm picturing. It's one fang can drink the blood of an entire like animal yeah, kicking in its fucking mouth, and it's not getting <laughs> anything. I don't think you can do that. Four feet though—that's like a twelve-year-old. 
Yeah, it's very tall. Yeah. Four feet. Yeah. I mean, like a 10 year old. Like a. F- yeah. I don't know. An adolescent human being. That's very tall. It is very tall. Like a horse. No, horses are taller than that. Yeah. The sad thing about <laughs> you saying you were just going to avoid it, um, it's kind of hard to avoid it because there are so few people that know where the hell this actual Grunch Road is or was. We don't live in the swamp, I think we're all right. Well, there's people that think it's in Chalmette, um, Gentilly, Metairie, um, East New Orleans near uh, Littlewoods. So lots of different places. I didn't hear anybody say uptown, so I'm okay with that. <laughs> um, you have to actively like. No, you don't. I don't know. It says most people only ever encounter Grunch Road by accident. No, I'm saying we would have to actually actively go to these places to oh, look. What if I'm just one day driving through Metairie getting Chick-fil-A and I accidentally stumble upon Grunch Road? Well, I would hope that it's not nighttime and you don't have to worry about the Some Grunch. chicken. <laughs> Um, it is typically in the same places where lots of the other swamp folklore come mm-hmm. from, like the floating lights and things like that. Um, there are people though that say that after um, Katrina, that they have seen grunches in neighborhoods eating like dogs and stuff like that because they were displaced because of all the flooding and it ran them out of their natural habitat. And I'm sure this isn't another situation where it's just like a really mangy dog that people no. think looks reptile like because it's like really mangy and hungry. No, because in the areas that they see this grunch, the, there's the one bite mark and the thing's drained of blood. <laughs> the mangy dogs don't drink blood. I don't care how bad their fur looks, the they're not they're eating. not going to find a corpse with drained blood. Oh, oh, it's probably Nick. He's getting ready to go pick up. Oh. There was a knock outside. It was either the hash slinging slasher or, or our neighbor going to pick up his um, girlfriend. So, but anyway, what they live in City Park's golf course? Yes, I was. I hadn't got to that park yet. Oh, that's too close. Yeah, we do go to City Park. Um, so yeah, people say that they see them eating their trash. Garbage men have said they see them eating the trash. We've only been down here for four months, and I'll be honest, I could definitely, I could believe in a grunch. There's a lot of weird shit. <laughs> no, a rat, maybe. I don't know if I'm, I don't know. Well, I, even rats are not going to be drinking people's blood. I don't know. All right, well, we are very glad to be back, and um, yeah, we promised not to be gone for that long again, uh, although I can't promise. I don't know. Life got crazy. Yeah. Between all the packing and moving and jobs oh, and and then when we first got here, our um, this was part of the tarot card. Our sewer backed up horrifically, like backed up into our bathtub. Um, like within a day of us being there, so it wasn't the first even time. our sewage. Yeah, which we, is just like it's gross enough when it's your own poop. Yeah, <laughs> but knowing that it's <laughs> no. not yours is real gross. It was a whole thing. So yeah, now that we're settled in, I feel like we can make this a thing again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's Mardi Gras. It is Mardi Gras time. Bought some cute clothes today. Very excited. All right. Um, <laughs> we also didn't do a drink this time, and I'm not 100% sure that we're going to keep doing the recipe. I don't know. We might bring you cocktails every once in a while, but from everybody we've talked to, I'm not sure how many of you were making them and doing the whole immersive experience that we originally had thought that might be. 
I mean, it's fun for us sometimes, but it's also like a lot of extra work Mm -hmm. because it's hard to find things that one sound like something that we would enjoy because the word, the thing that sucks is like buying all these things just to make some drink that we don't even like and would never make again. Yeah. Like we still have a bottle of brandy in there. Like who's going to drink brandy? Not me. I don't drink it. So, we so might, yeah, I mean, it's like a fun thing to do, but maybe just once a month. We might be monsters, no mixers Once now. every two months. Monsters, no mixers. No. Uh, I don't know. We'll see. All right. Um, if you have any drink recipes, let us know and we'll try to incorporate them. That actually would be way easier for me because we weren't doing them on the true crime episodes anyway. No. But my episodes take a lot of research and time and so do Emma's and... <laughs> Yeah. Then I was like That's trying to put together like a five course cocktail <laughs> meal and I was like, a God. photo shoot. Yeah. It started becoming work and I didn't want it to be work. So we're going to try and keep doing this as long as we can and we don't want it to be. No. Yeah. We work enough as it is. Mm-hmm. An actual normal job. Yeah. Not the podcasting's not. No, it is. We but it's like it a be. side hobby for us that we enjoy doing. So we don't want it to ever feel like it's something that we are not looking forward to doing. Yeah, for sure. I definitely would want to make this my all the time job. Please. But it's not. <laughs> Please. <yet. Yeah. laughs> I'm so tired of working when I have to work. <laughs> all right. I almost said, um, bye, love you. Cause I am super out of practice and I, and I didn't put our, um, bye, I love you. I didn't put our outro in. Let's see if we can remember it. Um, thanks for listening to the monsters and mixers podcast. Please like us on our socials at Monsters and Mixers um, <laughs> podcast. We're on Facebook, yeah. uh, Instagram, Twitter. We're on all of it. You can email Find us, us there. if you have some stories you'd like to tell. If you um, have any Grinch-related stories. Give us a five-star rating on your preferred listening platform. Mm-hmm. And we will see you next time. So get out there and meet some ghosts. <laughs> and make some toasts.